It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. He treated our allies as inexcusable. He's also going to try to get international aid to them. This better not be cash. If you want to give aid and cup of soups, that's fine for the people of Afghanistan. But if you give them cash or give them stuff to hand out, it's not going to work. Direct to the provinces or nothing. Also, the Speaker of the House before noon today will hold her weekly press conference where she'll claim we need money for the children and Republicans are all bad. Let's go to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The drug cartels operating out here are starting to get a lot bolder in their actions. We were embedded with the Texas National Guard when a cartel machine gun fired across the border directly into the United States. You believe that? Uh, that is all true, and that was reported exclusively by Bill Malusian of Fox. Border, overrun with illegals, and now with criminals, cartels are starting to take aim literally at the Texas National Guard as our paid-for billion-dollar border wall are on the ground rusting in the open field. Number two. These requirements work, and as the Business Roundtable and others told me when I announced the first requirement, that encouraged businesses to feel they could come in and demand the same thing of their employees. More people are getting vaccinated. More lives are being saved. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. Right. What could be? Everything's bigger than mass firings and thousands of people losing their jobs. What is wrong with him? Mandate mania affecting the military, the medical profession, law enforcement, and now the friendly skies. Southwest is spiraling out of control. Are they, uh, are they the worst or just the first? Number one. We're in a recovery. There's no doubt about that. And job growth is to be expected. And when it comes in low, people notice. And that what, I think that's part of what we're seeing in these polling numbers. That is Britt Hume giving an idea of what's happening with our economy. Biden's self-inflicted wounds are affecting all of us, from the supply chain to energy prices, his green agenda to inflation. He's taking aim at the American people, and it's time to pay for him to pay the price. And he's paying the price in his poll ratings. He's paying the price with 38% approval when it comes to the Quinnipiac poll. Remarkably, no one's talking about this, but the YouGov CBS poll has him at 50%. How can that be? Think about this. Because... If you look at what the president's done, he's done nothing to address the the glut of supply ships off the coast in Long Beach, California, and Georgia, and New Jersey. They can't unload these ships. You have hundreds of ships just waiting offshore. Many reasons. One, truck drivers, once they get it off the ship, to get it places. Number two, people to work the docks. And number three... Uh, they just have to work their way through. They say the infrastructure is not there to handle uh, uh, traffic this great. It's because the president, at the very least, if he doesn't feel responsible for it, at least be responsible for fixing it. I mean, just if you this was President Trump, he would have said, what is going on in these ports? If I don't see this fixed, you're going to be fired. He would sit there with a bullhorn telling people to drop it off. And you know what was brought up to me today by Bob Nardelli? He used to run Home Depot. And he used to run. Uh, he used to run Chrysler. He said, "Get the military. Get the National Guard. They could drive trucks. This is a national emergency. It's driving up prices. It's hurting the retailers. It's hitting small business, especially. They can't get things into port. 
Here's Jay Foreman. He's CEO of Basic Funds. Got a ton of toys. He's got a bunch of products, almost all made offshore. Cut one. Start to put your Christmas list together and holiday list together early. Get those must-have things now because they definitely will be in short supply because we're seeing a shipping crisis like we've never seen before. Every step of the way from where the goods are produced to the ports to the rail lines and the trucking lines, and it's not going to get any better for the next uh eight or 10 weeks. What's happening with a lot of the bigger, bulkier products, they're being left behind in China until next year because they're just not economically feasible to bring in. And retailers really don't want to raise the prices. The bargain this year is going to be, not did I get it for 20% less, but did I get it at all? <laughs> and that's all because of the shipping issues. That was uh, Jay Foreman on Fox & Friends today. Now, meanwhile, Fox & Friends first, oil prices jumped to $80 a barrel. Who does that help our enemies? It helps Russia. It helps Iran. should help us if we could drill. And if we do drill, we got to get trucks and we got to get pipelines. We are choosing not to do that because we want to lead the pack in our next Paris Climate Change Conference, which will be in Glasgow, Scotland, in a few weeks, at which time the president wants to brag that he's way ahead of schedule and leading the world. Uh, why do I believe that's not in America's best interest? Because I see practically, if you go shopping, Walmart and Costco, too, they are now saying they're limiting toilet paper sales while toy companies warn, as you just heard, their parent to tell their parents their kids are not going to get Christmas gifts. Stores across America have empty shelves. More than 60 cargo ships are waiting to dock in California, carrying hundreds of thousands of containers, and they may be, may be stuck there for months, they are arriving from China and Asia. Millions of dollars of American goods are still sitting there. And that's what we're seeing. A president that wants to blame it on the pandemic. Don't think so. Here's Mark Meadows last night. Cut four. The Biden administration is hemorrhaging when it comes to independent voters. Why? Because they care about the things that you were just talking about, their jobs and their schools and everything in, in terms of inflation impacting it. And the fact that they make an order and they may not be able to get it for six months, whether it's a car or a washing machine, you know, they care about that. And that's why the Biden administration is having a very tough time doing anything other than blaming Trump and trying to take credit for the few things that perhaps were left in place on January 20. Meanwhile, climate protesters swarmed the White House. They say they'll do it every single day. They vandalized ja Andrew Jackson's statue, which is inexcusable. If you're going to arrest the people that defiled George Floyd's statue, and you should, you should do the same thing because you know you have tape rolling across from the White House. Find the man or the woman responsible for that. And meanwhile, the climate protesters are mad at Joe Biden for not doing more. These uh, lunatic 18 to 35-year-olds, reportedly, one leader of the, uh, the director of the coalition said this. Uh, it's called, I don't know what they're called, uh, Living Arctic. They told Fox News in a, a Monday email that the protest was happening because they believe Biden needs to follow through on his campaign promises. The Build Back Better plan, according to the White House, is that the bipartisan bi uh, infrastructure deal will help the U.S. meet the moment in climate change and become a global leader. They want to assuage these people. But, Mr. President, you didn't pass it. You had it. But you insist on the $3.5 trillion. That's the issue. Matt Schlapp, cut six. These are unforced errors. And, you know, the, the border was secured by Donald Trump, and they don't have to like Donald Trump. But, boy, that's sure better for a president. Even Obama realized the negative consequences when you have uncontrolled illegal immigration at the border. If you look at Afghanistan, another unforced error. And now they haven't even done budget and taxes yet, oh. which is going to really cripple an economy that I think is very fragile. 
So you talked about the border wall with Matt Schlapp last night. So, you you know, it's just another unforced error is 100% correct, especially when you got the heads up. When you dis, when you dissed Mexico and you took the job, said the remain in Mexico was a violation of international law, you didn't provide them with any insight or interest, never picked up the phone. He was actually the last to recognize you, so maybe you got some revenge, so to speak. But meanwhile, the Fox flight team captured footage from more than $100 million in unused border wall materials. We are undermanned. We're overworked at the border. You know how easy it would be to put up and let a contractor pay out and build a, uh, a wall that would have allowed us to put our resources in other areas? But instead, for pure politics, he doesn't build a wall. He signed off on the, on, the, on the Fence Act back in 2006. So this is all politics. And to see that fence, that wall, rusting in the middle of the desert, and knowing we're paying $8 million a day to contractors not to build it, build it is disgusting. Meanwhile, we see in Panama, tens of thousands are coming here. We have Griff Jenkins in Panama. He's seeing it. And you got to wonder, who's in charge? Well, Mayorkas, the Secretary of State, when it comes to other nations. But who's in charge? Well, the vice president's in charge. I mean, we have Joe Biden say the vice president's going to be watching the border. And she said, no, I'm not going to watch the border. I'm going to go to the root causes. A couple of Zoom calls with Central American countries, a visit to one. And now she's done. A visit to the border, very choreographed, in and out in 20 minutes. Spoke out when she thought the... Uh, the Border Patrol agent on a horse was doing something bad. They're doing an investigation. You'll find out he was doing nothing wrong. So now we find out why Kamala Harris did not accompany the Secretary of State and HHS Secretary to Mexico City last week. She was doing a NASA video with children. Cute. And she is in charge of the space program, technically. I don't know what she's done. But she is, technically. So listen to this, and you're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you when, you, when you're done. Cut seven. To think about so much that's out there that we still have to learn. Like, I love that. I love that. And so I'm very excited about the Space Council. We're going to learn so much um, as we increasingly, I think, are curious and interested in the potential for the discoveries and the work we can do in space. So that's one of the things I'm most excited about. Right. We're all excited. We're all excited. And it turns out the excitement, all fake. The kids were auditioned. They're actors. So not only are you not doing what you're supposed to be doing, showing no interest in doing something for the last nine months, in defiance of the president, in my view, that's something you guys can work out in therapy, but you're with child actors and you're pretending that they're interested in what you're saying because they're pretending and they're getting paid to be interested in what you're saying. To do a video, you know what uh, you know what the name of the production company is? It's a Canadian production company because you know we have none in the U.S. It's a Canadian production company, and it's called Sinking Ship Productions. How appropriate, how accurate, what is with her? Reince Priebus, cut nine. In the case of the video, this thing's about, you know, overproduced— Oh. And it's fake as the Biden the Biden sets in the White House. I mean, it really is the Truman Show. But I think what's going on here is that Kamala Harris is separating herself from Joe Biden in his 38 percent. She, she's supposed to be the border czar. She's not there. She's supposed to be this vaccine czar. Nothing's happening. She's doing fluff news, like, you know, on The View. She's doing videos like this. Um, she's almost gotten herself to the point where she, too, is unusable. She is. 
I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, if you one thing about Trump, and it got people angry, but he was always firing people, moving people through because he felt they were ineffective. And especially on the border, people said, well, the 2019 was out of control. Yeah, and we rotated out Homeland Security secretaries. He didn't like what was happening. We finally came up with a plan that worked. And he used incentives to get countries to rein in their own people at their own border. Incentives. Didn't just give them money, because if you just give out money, they're going to ask for more. Candace Owens has a theory of what Kamala Harris is up to. Cut 10. Every time you see her, she just seems so phony. It seems like she's playing a part that she genuinely doesn't want to play. I think that people that are, are accurately reporting that there seems to be this shade war going on between Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, I think that's accurate. I think she genuinely resents being the vice president of the United States. She genuinely resents being sub- subordinate to Biden, and she genuinely resents every element of her job, including scripted elements like the one that we had to watch just tonight. Uh, absolutely. I mean, somebody I think she's to a degree. She feels the same way Hunter feels towards her dad. She feels as though um, the Hunter feels like he seems to judging by his emails. He was taken advantage of by his family. But that could be a victim status that a lot of drug abusers use. And number two, when it comes to Kamala Harris, she feels as though she should have been number one on the ticket. And she knows the president was not. She was not the president's first pick. Governor Whitmer was. She turned it down and said, go with Kamala Harris. Because the president boxed himself in. He said, I'll pick a minority and I'll pick a, a woman. So guess how she feels? Like she fits a bunch of categories. But doesn't mean you're ineffective. I don't care why people pick you. Why put you people on the team, who they traded for you, whether it's a salary dump, if you look at the salary cap or not. Go in and score points. So you go down to the border. You put on that jean shirt. And you go talk to those Border Patrol people. Let them know your name. Drop in when they're not expecting you the best you can with the Secret Service. Go to these other countries. Instead of having Griff Jenkins go to Panama, you go to Panama. You take a look at this past. You understand what people are going through. Talk to the Haitians. Find out if we could set up consulates in these other countries to expedite the process of qualified people coming to our country and maybe unloading a few ships because we obviously need people to work and the American people don't want to work. 11 million jobs open, 7 million without a job. I'm pretty sure you could find something. one 866 When we come back, Tucker Carlson weighed in brilliantly as usual about what he thinks happened with Southwest Airlines and why it could be going to be happening to other airlines soon. And it's all about the vaccine. This is a big show. So glad you're here. Don't move. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. 
In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. An estimated 6,000 federal air traffic controllers have not yet received the Biden-mandated shot. That's nearly half of all air traffic controllers in this country. And they all, as federal employees, have until next month to submit or they will be fired. And when they are fired, our air traffic control system, which is already dangerously short-staffed, ask anyone who works in it, will stop. It will seize completely just in time for the holiday. That is Tucker Carlson. And last night he was talking about Southwest. We can't figure out exactly what went wrong except for everything. They saved air traffic controllers. And they said it was no problem. Then they said it was weather. It says no problem. And then they said uh, some people speculated it might have been the vaccine. They wouldn't say or deny that they wouldn't say yes or no. Then they said staff shortages. We don't know. Uh, so we have to get to the bottom of this. Tucker says he's talked to some people and has everything to do with mandates. Cut 20. Southwest Airlines, you may have read this, one of our biggest carriers, all but shut down on Saturday and Sunday. The airline canceled thousands of flights. It threw the nation's famously efficient system of air travel into total chaos. It stranded countless travelers in airports. Again, you saw it on the news. The question is, how did this happen? Well, the official explanation came right away. It was bad weather on the eastern seaboard. There were thunderstorms. There were also unspecified issues with air traffic control. And all of that together forced Southwest Airlines alone among airlines, to cancel its flights. That's what the company, Southwest Airlines, claimed. They claimed that in a statement to us today, a long statement. It's what many media outlets have repeated uncritically for the past two days. And yet we can tell you it is untrue. All of that is a lie. It's not what happened. We've spoken to several people with direct knowledge of what actually did happen. We can tell you that the shutdown of Southwest Airlines over the weekend was a direct consequence. It was a reaction to Joe Biden's vaccine mandates. Wow, that's pretty serious. So I really believe he's talked to a lot of people. We're seeing some pilots, a lot of people saying they're not doing it. Some people have speculated that they're saying, yeah, you you want me out uh, if I'm not vaccinated by a certain date? Well, maybe I'll leave a little bit earlier. Maybe I'll spend a weekend with my family. I will call in sick. I will just not show up. I will do something to keep my job. But if we get to this point where you have to replace me, let you know what life will be like and try to rethink that. Cut 21. Consider the argument they're hearing from Joe Biden. You must get the shot for the sake of people who've already gotten the shot because the shots don't work well enough to protect the people who've already gotten them. That's what Joe Biden and the entire American health establishment is telling them. So imagine making that argument to an airline pilot, someone whose entire job is based on logic. It is utterly bewildering to them because it doesn't make sense. It's just too unreasonable. Quote, I've flown military jets in three different war zones, one pilot told us this weekend. I have never lost sleep like this. The stress is beyond belief. It's dangerous. People are melting. So this weekend, in protest, a large number of Southwest pilots called out sick, and they effectively shut down their airline. And many of them, you should know, admire the company they work for. They love Southwest Airlines. But they felt they had no choice but to do this. Nobody was standing up for them. Not the United States Congress, which, by the way, has exempted itself from vaccine mandates. Not even their labor union, which exists and is paid to defend them. Unbelievable. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West is next. He actually got the COVID virus. His wife did, too. 
She was vaccinated. He wasn't. He was hospitalized. Is he calling us from the hospital? We'll find out. And then your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. Every week we're lucky enough to visit with the gubernatorial candidate in Texas. He's a lieutenant colonel in the Army, former congressman from Florida, and he used to run the Texas uh, Republican Party, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. Then we see over the weekend that he got the coronavirus along with his wife. He's unvaccinated. She is she is vaccinated. Uh, Colonel, how are you doing? Hey, Brian, it's good to be with you. I got released from the hospital yesterday at 5 p.m. and doing very well. I went out and did a 1.5-mile run this morning, and my lungs feel very good. And just uh, on the way to recovery. Uh, the monoclonal antibody infusion therapy did very well for Angela and I. She's fighting still a little bit of a cough, but, you know, most of the major symptoms and everything we've gotten beyond it. Wow. Uh, so how did you get it? Well, I guess, you know, my wife and I have been married for 32 years, and we share everything, so she shared it with me. And uh, we went in on Saturday to a, a local advanced ER facility and got the uh, antibody infusion therapy. Uh, she she did very well, and she was released to go home. But my uh, oxygen saturation levels were kind of low. It was like 85, 86. And so they wanted to put me in the hospital to, you know, check my lungs and make sure I could get those levels back up. And within no time, they were back up to like 94, 95. And, Yesterday, they took me off the, uh, the oxygen tank and just had me on room air, and I was hanging in there at 92, 93, and so they decided to let me go. Wow. So could you describe how you felt Did it, uh, where you realized this, this was serious enough to go to the hospital? Well, the thing is, you know, low-grade fever. I think uh, it was like 99.4, 99.7 was my fever, but uh, did have the, the, you know, slight body aches. Uh, Angela was feeling very fatigued and everything like that. And, and of course, uh, you know, severe body aches. And so what we decided to do was, uh, like I said, uh, Saturday, because she got diagnosed. Well, she got tested positive on Friday. She had taken the uh, all three shots, uh, COVID, pneumonia, and flu, the prior Friday, and within 48 hours or so, she started feeling, you know, kind of bad. And then the next thing you know, a couple of days after that, I started feeling a little down. And uh, but Saturday, we decided to go on and get that therapy done. <clears throat> and I got to tell you, it, it did wonders for us. And I think that that's one of the things that we should be hearing more of some of these other protocols that are out there instead of telling people you have to get, you know, a mandated vaccine. I mean, there are many other things that people can choose to do and make the right decisions for their own bodies. So was that something your insurance covered? Yes, yes. Blue Cross, Blue Shield. They took care of that. And uh, that's something, again, I think these are viable options that people should be looking at. And we are, you know, taking other, uh, you know, the zinc protocols and, uh, D3 and uh, a couple of, you know, vitamin C and uh, some other things that we would recommend to take. And we're, we're feeling great. And uh, when you, so when now you, it's just a matter of... Colonel, when you, when you started feeling uh, like, uh, I guess, bad, did you call your... Do you have a general uh, practitioner? And did that general practitioner recommend you to the hospital? 
No, I didn't call the general practitioner. We're very blessed. Uh, our oldest daughter is a PA, and uh, she uh, talked with us, and she uh, said, let's try this uh, anti-body anti infusion therapy. And we said, okay, and she found a, uh, a center down in uh, Dallas in the Park Cities area. And we went in on Saturday morning, and, you know, in, in no time flat, we were in. The uh, the whole process took about two hours. The infusion is about an hour. Then they watch you for another hour. And uh, that was it. When did you start feeling better? Immediately for me. Uh, the only thing, you know, the aches were gone, fever was gone. Uh, the only thing, like I said, was getting the oxygen saturation levels back up uh, because I did have some uh, minor COVID traces of COVID-related pneumonia. But yesterday, my chest X-ray was completely clear, so uh, I'm all good to go. Well, that's fantastic. So what, is, what do you think now uh, that you didn't think before you got it? Well, again, I think that the most important thing is that we should not have people mandating, you know, through government or whatever, or through some of these private businesses, what people should have uh, going on with their bodies. I mean, look at what's happening at Southwest Airlines. People are pushing back. Let people decide what's best for them and their bodies. They know their bodies more than anybody else, especially Joe Biden or Dr. You know, Fauci. Uh, and I think that that's what we need to do is open up these other protocols that are out there for people to be able to learn about and be able to take advantage of. So well, I talked to the West Virginia governor, and he wanted more mm -hmm. of those uh, mononuclear antibodies. Did I say that right? No, I didn't. Uh, monoclonal Monocolonial antibodies. Yeah, uh, and he couldn't get them. Fusion therapy. Uh, are they yeah, rare? Because they're being blocked. No, it's, it's there. You find that uh, in a lot of cases, uh, people are, are, you know, the CDC and others are trying to block it. Uh, Florida has opened up quite a few of these centers, and of course, like I said, we got some right here in Dallas. But uh, that should be what's happening. We should have those centers opening up, and we should uh, insurance policies should allow people to be covered for that. And that's a great thing to go in. And the, and the fantastic thing now, Brian, is that I have double antibodies. I have the natural immunity from having had the COVID. Now I have the, uh, the antibodies on top of that from the uh, infusion therapy. And right now, you know what's so, so amazing is from Sanjay Gupta to Fauci, well, we're still looking at the durability of your antibodies having had it again. We're looking at the durability of everything. We just came up with this yeah. vaccine. We're in the middle of looking at the durability. Here's what Dr. Marty McCary said about situations like yours. Cut 18. We have a f small group of doctors in the government making all the decisions nationally on COVID. And they have decided early on to dig in against the position that natural immunity was effective. Turns out the efficacy of natural immunity is about 99 plus percent. And for vaccines, it's somewhere between 63 percent and 92 percent. So the amount of data now is profound. The overwhelming data is something where if you don't believe it now, then no data in the world is going to convince anybody. We would have done a lot better with some more flexibility around the vaccine requirements and not ignited these culture wars over the unvaccinated it's, and the vaccinated. And we're in a war now between uh, the mandates and the people quitting and being fired in medical facilities. Tens of thousands quitting the military because of it. Law enforcement, where the mandates are put in place, are leaving. Pilots are leaving the airline industry. And the president says, well, that's part of the process. Look at the bigger picture. 
Well, this is no longer about science. This is about power and control. This is about having their way. And, of course, uh, again, this is about enriching a lot of these big pharma uh, companies out there instead of, again, allowing people to yeah. to choose the protocols that best fit their bodies. And I think that people are sick and tired of that, and they're going to push back against it, and they're willing to put things on the line uh, because they don't want to lose control of their bodies. And think, what American president will stand up in front of the people and say that this is not about your freedom uh, and say that there will be, you know, mandates across the country for everyone to have these vaccines. They're trying to create a bipolarized uh, society and pit people against each other because that's what the progressive socialist left does. This is another right. extension of the cultural Marxism, either as race or either as whether you've been shot in the arm or what have you. So, Colonel, not everybody is thrilled to see you get better. When word came out over the weekend that you got the virus, here's what Joy Reid said on MSNBC Cut 34. The guy who wants to replace Governor Abbott, who is already so far to the right, he's basically to the right of Attila the Hun, is the guy who, I remember him from Florida, he's the guy who mock executed an Iraqi policeman and got in trouble in the army. Uh, here's a couple of his yes. quotes uh, on Barack Obama, uh, on the Barack Obama White House. If you're here to stand up, get your musket, fix your bayonet and charge into the ranks, you're my brother and sister in this fight. He said that black people were better off during segregation because they had better educational opportunities and uh, called Islam uh, not a religion. So you want to want to answer, Joy Reid? You know, there is a, a verse in Proverbs uh, 17, 28. It says that it's better for a fool to remain silent than basically to open up their mouth and confirm the, the fact. And maybe Miss Reed should read that. And the fact that she is uh, talking about me, I, I mean, obviously that's a feather in my cap because she's an imbecile. So uh, I don't take any, any uh, credence to anything that she says. All right, Jason Johnson on MSNBC brought you up, too. Cut 36. Alan West, he is the zeitgeist of the Republican Party right now. They want that same kind of, they, they want that sort of natural, all-natural flavor racism, but they want it in blackface with a 1990s uh, flat-top haircut. That's what they want, and that's what they can get out of Alan West. And if he can actually get out of bed and hopefully realize that he could actually catch COVID again because the magical antibodies that he thinks he has now will not keep him any safer if he continues to run around and grab hand the way that he is, he will be the kind of person that many Republicans in that state want. So I don't know. He's the associate professor of School of Global Journalists and Communications at Morgan State University. So I thought I'd give you an opportunity to answer him. I guess he doesn't like your haircut. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I thought that, you know, crew cuts were, you know, pretty traditional and everything like that. My dad had a crew cut, so I'm just kind of following along. Maybe he should complain about Howie Long, you know, the uh, sports uh, commentator of Fox News. <laughs> he has a crew cut as well. Right. Uh, how do you feel about what he said? Number one is he's inaccurate uh, about antibodies and glad handing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I've been out there, you know, amongst people for quite some time, even, you know, going through a motorcycle accident last year, which, you know, again, the left were hoping that I wouldn't survive the motorcycle accident. But uh, it, it, you know, I only became sick because uh, my wife, you know, contracted the COVID after getting three different shots, you know, simultaneously. And uh, but we're fine now. And what's amazing to me is that, you know, just the same with Herman Cain, when he passed away, how the left went after him to include people like Joy Reid. They don't want to celebrate anyone being healthy. 
It's, it's like they really want us to die. They really want us to be sick. They really want us to to not be able to to make decisions for our bodies to be healthy. And so I would tell them, you know, again, this morning I got up and put in a 1.5-mile you know, jog and run and uh, knocked out some push-ups and crunches, and I feel fantastic. So I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to be around for a while, and uh, I'll just continue to be a thorn in their side. And as they say in the military, you only take slack when you're over the target. Right. Uh, do you really think they, they want you to die? Well, there have been some comments out there, but I, I don't think that they want me well. I, I think that that's one of the things that you got from the comments of this guy is that uh, – they would prefer uh, what I went through not to be a viable uh, alternative and, and to show that it was a, a good treatment because that really does combat what they're trying to push against the American people. Obviously, uh, Joy Reid's black. Jason Johnson is black. Where's the anger come from? Uh, I, I don't understand the anger. Why, why are they? Why are African Americans mad at you? Because there are some people that. They don't like those of us that can think for ourselves. Those of us that have decided we don't want to be on the 21st century progressive socialist plantation. We want to be able to decide that we believe in this country. Uh, we believe in constitutional conservative principles. We believe in our own individual rights, freedoms, and liberties. And that really frustrates them. And so, therefore, I think that what we do is we really bring to light their inadequacies, and they can't tolerate that. Yeah, uh, something. Uh, they get exercised about it. But, Colonel, uh, you know, we, we're all uh, uh, glad and not surprised you're okay. Uh, this is nothing compared to the motorcycle accident. This is a walk in the park for you. Yeah, it was. I mean, <laughs> this this is fine. I mean, that was some pain that I never want to go through again, getting knocked off a motorcycle at 75 miles per hour. But, uh, you know, again, it's all about how you – take responsibility for your own personal health. And, and that's been a key thing for me. And I think that's why I continue to, you know, be able to recover yeah. from any of these incidents that I've gone through. And we hope your wife gets better quick too. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West ran this morning. He's okay. Thanks so much, Colonel. So glad uh, you had that great news to start our morning off with. And I'm so glad everyone yeah, on course. MSNBC is upset. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Go get him. Uh, when we come back, we over at the phones, 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first, only on the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. That email was very disturbing. Here's a guy that I won a Super Bowl with and I played with, and I had my issues with him. What he said about D. Smith is disturbing. It's unacceptable. And this is why, in this country, we are in a position that we are in as human beings, not only human beings, but as African Americans, because we gloss over these sort of things and act like it's not that big of a deal. Well, maybe I'm just uh, listening to all this stuff where we're talking about John Gruden. Um, one of the highest-paid coaches, if not the highest-paid coach in the NFL. He's got a 10-year contract, four years in with the Raiders, coming off being the number one broadcaster at ESPN with his quarterback camp. Uh, up until now, I thought he was one of the most well-liked coaches in the country. Keyshawn Johnson never got along with him. 
But these emails in 2011 that was written to then-GM Bruce Allen, brother of George Allen and son of the legendary football Redskin football coach George Allen, uh, they just, uh, they're just they inexcusable. There is something never was supposed to be public. Uh, I don't think excuse any of this. I mean, it, it rips uh, disparaging terms on the commissioner, disparaging terms on women referees, disparaging terms for people who kneel, uh, disparaging terms for the uh, the head of the players' union, uh, DeMar- uh, DeMaris Smith. We had a negative term for it. Now, in the first one to DeMaris Smith, uh, saying something about his physical appearance, uh, they were look- he was probably going to get through that. But when other emails appeared back in 2011, it's 2021 now, back in 2011 when he was a broadcaster with ESPN, it was too much. He was fired, or excuse me, he resigned last night, meaning he left all that money on the table and the, Ra- and the Raiders are reeling. Now, here's the thing. They're investigating the Redskins, the Washington Football Club now, for their actions. Evidently, this is a club that's out of control with the front office, so the NFL has spawned a, uh, after a series of accusations of uh, uh, sexual harassment. They've spawned an investigation into the inner workings of that club, and in it, they looked at the general manager's emails. At with That email was written on a Redskin account, now Washington Football Club account, it was a private account from John Gruden, who was interacting with Bruce Allen. Many times, Bruce Allen was the one initiating the exchange, and he would chime in with really disturbing emails. So he's done. He's finished. He's through. And this guy had his choice. Keyshawn Johnson played for him, won a Super Bowl with him, cut 39. Not only do you mock the size of an African-American's lips, you also degrade owners in the National Football League as well as the commissioner. My concentration ain't only you talk bad about a black man. You're also talking about bad about people that own teams, run the league, the commissioner of the league, because he's a bad person. I tried to tell people this when I played for this man, but I was the I was in the wrong. Keyshawn, oh, Keyshawn just a small brat. Oh, Keyshawn just a diva. Oh, Keyshawn just wants the football. But here we are now, however many years later, and stuff is coming to the surface. Well, Keyshawn wrote a book called Throw Me the Damn Ball. That's why people say Keyshawn wanted the ball. Uh, this guy, you know, Michael Sam, he was the first openly gay player to be drafted. Uh, there was a report and that uh, John Gruden obviously thought was true. that said they pre- the commissioner should never have forced Jeff Fisher, then coach, I think, of the Titans, to draft him. It wasn't good enough. And... That was just one of the accusations. But as was pointed out, he also has the first openly gay player on his roster. The Raiders call Nassib is a defensive lineman on the team, openly gay and active player to uh, appear in the regular season uh, just this year. And up into, besides Keyshawn Johnson, it's very rare to get a complaint about John Gruden, except for maybe he was too tough. Um, but it, it, this is one of those things where everything you write, uh, especially to a to a corporate account is going to one day be public from the fox news podcasts network i'm ben dominich publisher of the federalist and i'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going subscribe to the ben dominich podcast subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Brian Kilmeade coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour, we're going to do a simulcast with uh, Barney and Company. It'll be on FBN. That's great. And Molly Hemingway's in studio. That's even better. Don't tell Stuart I said that. Fox News contributor, senior editor at The Federalist, author of a brand new book called Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Molly Hemingway here live. So let's first, as we wait, I think the President of the United States is going to be talking to, uh, yes, our G20 leaders to discuss close coordination on Afghanistan. Better late than never. He had zero coordination in our own country, let alone with our allies. I hope they give him an earful, and I hope they don't agree to write checks to that country. They can get food not money. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The drug cartels operating out here are starting to get a lot bolder in their actions. We were embedded with the Texas National Guard when a cartel machine gun fired across the border directly into the United States. Unbelievable. That's Bill Malusian exclusively reporting with his drone team at the border. Overrun with illegals. That's what it is. Now with criminals as cartels start taking aim literally at the Texas National Guard as we've paid for billions of dollars to build a border wall and it sits on the ground rusting. Unbelievable. Number two. These requirements work. And as the Business Roundtable and others told me when I announced the first requirement, that encouraged businesses to feel they could come in and demand the same thing of their employees. More people are getting vaccinated. More lives are being saved. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. Right. Mandate mania affecting the military, the medical profession, law enforcement, and the friendly skies. Southwest is spiraling out of control. And are they the worst or just the first? Number one. We're in a recovery. There's no doubt about that. And job growth is to be expected. And when it comes in low, people notice. And that what I think that's part of what we're seeing in these polling numbers. Uh, that is Britt Hume, of course. Uh, President Biden's self-inflicted wounds are affecting all of us. From the supply chain to the energy prices to his green agenda to inflation, he is taking aim at the American people, and it's time for him to pay the price, don't you think? And he's playing it in the polls. Molly, welcome back. It's great to be here with you. Well, um, you, were in, you didn't have any idle time. Your book is now out. It's called Rigged. And before we get to the election, the new one we're about to get in 2022, the one we just had in 2020, I want to get your take on this economy. Uh, The one thing about the president of the United States, the former president, if they could not get those ships to shore, he would have been sitting there firing people, going through it, going to the docks himself, making sure we get answers to this. I was talking to uh, Bob Nardelli wrote me today and said, why are we not using the military? National Guard's got trucks. We would unload it until we can get the people. This is an unacceptable situation. There are so many unforced errors that Joe Biden has had Is he paying the price? Well, he's certainly having trouble in the polls because of the incompetence of the administration. But this is an issue where we actually knew we were going to have supply chain problems the moment we began lockdown. So 18 months ago, this is something that the government should have been working on for a very long time. Our federal government is actually just bad at doing a lot of things, despite how much money they take. And so the fact that we don't have a plan already in place and, and, you know, frankly, like 16 months into implementation is not good. Uh, but it could get. I mean, I don't want to don't want to be too pessimistic, but it could get a lot worse. It too. could it could get worse, and not only that, manufacturing is down, and it makes it doesn't it underline too. And don't you think it's an opportunity too for a politician to say this is proof we have to start making our own stuff? Can't you use that to spur manufacturing here? 
this is one of the big changes I think we've seen in this country in the last five years is realizing that offshoring everything, outsourcing everything can be a national security threat if you don't have the means to make key things that you need to keep your economy functioning and running. And so it's one of the things that we've learned about the past few decades of moving all of our manufacturing overseas. We might have gotten cheap products, but it came at such a, such a huge price. Mandate mania. We are not – we're seeing tens of – we're seeing thousands of people, uh, teachers told not to come to work. Unions are preserving their jobs for now. We're seeing thousands of people to, in the medical profession from doctors to nurses to medical workers to staffers told not – don't come to work because you're not vaccinated. Now we're seeing policemen in some cities being told don't get vaccinated, you don't, got, don't have a job. That's happening. The military, tens of thousands are saying I'm not getting vaccinated the president, the, the, he should be, he says he's going to bring us together. This, on the, the definition is dividing us. It's a huge issue. It's affecting industries. It's, it's so important that people have medical freedom and autonomy with their bodies and being able to make medical decisions. And you can totally support the vaccine and think it was an amazing accomplishment or even just think it's pretty good and still understand that mandates that restrict people's ability to make decisions for themselves are horrific and shouldn't be encouraged by the government. They should probably be banned by the government even because of what an important issue it is. We're not talking even about a vaccine that has had 10 years of testing that we know, you know, that we know everything about and we, that is, that has a, that takes care of a problem that has a huge fatality rate. We're talking about a vaccine that is good. It's great at decreasing symptoms of people who, who get it. Um, you know, it's, it's obviously done wonders, but it's also fairly new. And so it's important that people be able to make their own decisions. And if urging people to go ask their doctor, and they'll probably give the answer that my doctor get, get it. They're almost certainly going to get the answer. But you don't want it from it, a yes. politician. Uh, you, I mean, basically, you want Joe Biden not looking over your your medical shoulder. And again, we're having all these problems in our economy. And people say, oh, well, we, we forced this vaccine on people and nearly everybody took it. We're talking about some industries where just a few tenths of a percentage point difference can actually really disrupt things. Things like ER rooms or nurses yeah. or truckers or pilots. You know, you saw what happened with pilots this weekend potentially having something to do with the vaccine mandate imposed by their airlines. And it can be very disruptive to the entire economy. So let's talk about your book. Uh, rigged, how the media, big tech, and the Democrats seized our, uh, seized our elections. But the name of it's rigged. Do you believe this was rigged, that Donald Trump couldn't have won? I believe that. I mean, I, I love that the title is rigged because I think it does a perfect job of describing how the establishment changed everything to ensure a preferred outcome in the election. And I focus on the media, big tech, and the changes to election laws and procedures that enabled this to happen. The election came down to like 40,000 votes across three states. It was very narrow. Any one of these things that were done, whether it was by the media, big tech, or the changes to election laws, could have done more than enough on, on any of those margins. And so it's important that people understand why that happened and also why rigging a system is bad for democracy because it creates a situation where people don't have confidence in the results. So do you believe that the systems that loosen, that everything that loosened up because of the pandemic, people feeling unsure to vote or not having enough workers, uh, the changes that were made in states and counties, those are the things that took place? Or do you believe ballots came in from outside? They were... So two main issues there. One is that because of COVID, there were dramatic changes in the way we vote. Uh, Time magazine called it a revolution in the way people vote. It was a very sudden change 
And sometimes that was done legally. Sometimes it was done not legally. And what I mean by that is you're supposed to have all changes go through the state legislature. Sometimes that happened. More frequently, it did not happen. And so there's a lot in there about all the ways that that happened. But what this did also enable is that one of the world's most powerful and wealthy men, Mark Zuckerberg, spent $419 million to do a private takeover of the election administration itself. He gave grants, supposedly to deal with COVID. And what they actually enabled was an army of left-wing groups to come into governmental election offices and do a concierge-level Biden-get-out-the-vote operation. And so by by disproportionately funding blue counties in swing states, they were able to squeeze tons more votes out for Biden. And again, this wasn't funding campaigns. This was funding governmental election offices in a way that helped Biden win. And these are explosive things and a very important going forward because learning that they could do this, learning that you could have a private takeover by one of the world's wealthiest men um, was something that the election system wasn't prepared for. And so that there, there were at that time not laws to prevent it. Where do you uh, did he do it in the auspices of helping the election or did he do it in the auspices of helping the Democrats? Oh, it was totally billed as these are covid relief grants. These will help you get, uh, you know, personal protective equipment. But what happened was like take take Pennsylvania, which is a swing state. Philadelphia gets $10 million. The Republican county next door gets 5000 And he would say, well, we funded both Democrat and Republican counties. And you say, well, yeah, but the disparity is ridiculous. And they say, well, Philadelphia is a bigger county. Well, that's true. So you look at per capita spending. And per capita, these Democrat regions and swing states got tons more funding to then enable get-out-the-vote operations. And what they did in these blue areas was they went and harvested ballots. They they designed ballots. They translated ballots. They marketed to go vote in Democrat areas. But again, they didn't do this as a campaign would. This is what campaigns do. They did it from the auspices of governmental offices, from the actual election. It would be like if the New England Patriots had hired and paid and staffed the referees for a game and then they made all sorts of controversial calls and you weren't allowed to say anything about it. Understood. Now, where was it the most egregious? So there are actually a huge group of researchers working on all of these things and they're finding interesting things. Definitely. Well, you look at the funding. Four of the five Republican, formerly Republican states that got the most funding from Zuckerberg. You might notice something about this. Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania. They got the vast majority of funds. These were states that had voted for Trump, but then they voted for Biden in 2020, sometimes like in crazy ways, like Florida went two points more for Trump between 2016 and 2020. Across the border, Georgia went six points to the left and they did it. Georgia was actually the state where they spent forty six million dollars doing this get out the vote operation for Democrats from government offices. And they managed to get it six points in a different direction in a way that was very different from the rest of the country. So Ohio went firmly for the president, uh, former president, uh, so did Florida. And you thought if you took Florida and Ohio, uh, those were going to be key. But it didn't happen when Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania and Georgia went another direction. And as did Arizona. Do you find irregularities in Arizona or something new in Arizona that would have opened up the window for an opportunity? Well, definitely the funding that I'm talking about, the, the funding that was done by these groups that Zuckerberg funded. Uh, was heavy in Maricopa County. And again, that's where you saw these dramatic changes and elevations in Biden votes. And Arizona itself, though, runs elections pretty cleanly, I believe. You know, uh, Niall Ferguson, who with the Hoover Institute, he after the 2016 election, he came in in 2017, had a book out. 
And he said, do you know what's going on in Silicon Valley? I said, no. He said, they're absolutely humiliating. So why? Because President Trump maximized Silicon Valley in a way in which he embarrassed them. And the left wing has ridiculed them to no end. And they are going to make up for it. Because Donald Trump, uh, led by Brad Parscales, used Facebook, put an office in his office with Facebook and used Facebook to maximize his vote and got those margins. Is this their make good? Yes, and that's another huge part of this. After the 2016 election, all these tech companies say they'll never, ever, ever let what happened in 2016 happen again. They say this on the record. This is like Google, Facebook, Twitter, uh, you know, Apple. They all say this, and then they all engage in systematic ways of of structuring their systems so that they're deplatforming conservative voices. They are downgrading conservative media. They are elevating stories that are favorable to their side. They even do voter outreach and marketing in biased fashion. There's a researcher who's shown that sometimes they would just identify what your voting practices were, and if you were a Democrat voter, they would encourage you to go vote or encourage you to register to vote but not if you were Republican. These are such deep structural biases. And then, of course, it all culminates in them suppressing the Hunter bias. Molly Hemingway's here. Her book rigged is out. Now, the question we have when we come back is this. Donald Trump got more votes than any Republican in history, 75 million. And the House did so much better than anyone thought, almost took it back. And even in the Senate, there was supposed to be a long shot for the Republicans to keep it. By all odds, they should have kept it. What went wrong and what went right? That story when we come back on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Questioning everything. It's Brian Kilmeade. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We're back. Molly Hemingway's book is now out. It's called Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democratic uh, Party, and the, uh, the Democratic, what is this word here? And the, uh, the Democrats seized our elections, my bad. So uh, we talked about big tech, Molly. Now let's talk about the media. What role did the media play in all this? Well, I think to understand the media, you have to take it a little bit back. And this is actually one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book is you have all these reporters who spent three years lying that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election by colluding with Russia, now claiming that they're going to write about what happened in 2020. Well, I don't trust these people to tell anything truthful because they lied for years. And that was the general prism. The media lied or made up stories or pretended to believe obviously false stories about Donald Trump. And at the same time, they suppressed real stories based on real facts about Joe Biden. And they basically ran the Joe Biden campaign. The Hunter Biden, the laptop. So when the New York Post reveals, based on facts, that the that Hunter Biden's laptop has all sorts of information about the fi- the Biden family business, and remember, the Biden family business is you give money to members of the Biden family for for unclear reasons. You know that seems like a perfect area that the media might want to investigate. They thought it was really nefarious that Trump had a global real estate empire, and they were sure there was something shady there, but. At least with that, you know that he really is a businessman who does real estate. We don't actually understand what the Bidens do in exchange for the money. We know that there have been bribes given by foreign governments, you know, or by foreign entities like in China. Um, they gave an $80,000 diamond to Hunter Biden. You have the wife of, the, of a Moscow official giving money that, that's revealed in Treasury Department documents. And yet they don't cover it. They just suppress it. At the same time, they're elevating fake news about uh, Donald Trump. And that's important because... 
election observers say that you can't have a free and fair election in a propaganda environment. And what we experienced in the last few years was moving from a biased media environment into a propaganda environment. And that affects people's votes and it affects the way that the establishment rigged the election. So you think it's not only leaning left, you think they're selling left. It's 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 just not even journalism anymore for most for most of what we're seeing. I mean, we did not have a campaign in which journalists critically analyzed the policy positions of each side. You saw this even in the way that the debate commission handled things. You know, there should have been a debate on foreign policy. It's one of the most important issues that Americans deal with. And it's one of the most important roles that the president plays. Uh, president Trump had a very successful period of time in foreign policy and he, there was supposed to be a debate on it. They just yeah, don't do it. The media also don't cover it. You know, they 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 completely game the system and everybody experienced that. And I think that's why when you're told, oh, there was nothing wrong about anything that happened with the election, the media have lost all credibility to even have a right to say anything like that. So do you think President Trump's going to run again? I, you know, when I started this book and I interviewed him three times for the book and my first interview, I was pretty sure he wouldn't. I thought that he, yeah, just, it just didn't feel like he wanted to. Um, and then now I think that maybe it's more even odds. I think that he would like to not have to, but I think he feels that the Republican Party is not picking up what it should be and moving forward. Do you think he believed he was robbed? Uh, he definitely believes that. And I think... You know, he's so inarticulate in the way he talks about it or hyperbolic or he's, you know, he says these exaggerated things. But when I would talk to him, he actually understood a lot of these issues at, you know, about unconstitutional changes to voting laws or how Zuckerberg, um, how Zuckerberg funded these election systems or how corrupt the media were or how big tech was against him. He understands those issues. And I wish he actually would talk more about those issues because they are real things that are big issues going forward, too. Why do they do so well in other elections, down-ballot elections, Republicans in proportion? Well, the thing that you'd have to understand is, did they do well relative to what they would have done had all of these things not happened? I actually think that the country has far more propensity to vote for some of these people than than some of these riggings would allow. Wow. Uh, And if you see what's happening to the country now, it's hard to think the President Trump's policies weren't more effective for the country. Molly, congratulations on rig. Go pick it up. And so when people ask you about the election, you'll have an intelligent answer rather than stolen or not stolen. Thanks, Molly. Thank you. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details. Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So many of the fixes that the Biden administration wants to bring to bear are things that aren't even going to be wound up within the next calendar year and a half, if not beyond that. I think that this uh, Southwest Airlines situation, where you see so many uh, pilots and crew uh, potentially involved in in a mass revolt against uh, the vaccine mandate that has been pressed upon them, I I fear that that type of reaction is going to spread throughout our economy and that we really are potentially on the cusp of a number of serious crises that, you know, the White House really is already dealing with so many uh, in so many different areas. Uh, I'm not sure that they really have a solution that is going to be able to be brought to bear in time to make a meaningful difference for people in the economy in a short term. Yeah. And meanwhile, so they're trying to say the three point five trillion is going to hit us after couple of years, which is scarier to me because I don't want it to work at all, knowing that the worst is yet to come and the spending is going to be through the roof, much of which we can't afford. And it's just going to be agenda driven. Like, for example, think about this. 
as crazy as the spending has been, as mind-boggling has it been to watch these pipelines being taken down and oil and gas on federal lands being banned and uh, asking OPEC to drill more because we don't want to and having uh, the trucks and pipelines make it impossible to transport the natural gas, especially when there's a global shortage right now. Now they're have the climate protesters are protesting the White House, not with Donald Trump in it, but with Joe Biden in it. This director of the Coalition Corps member is whatever this group is called, Sovereign Inupiat for a Living Arctic, told Fox News that uh, in the statement the protest was happening and will happen all week because the president's not following through on his green campaign promises. And get this, he is going to start trying to amp this up desperately because he's going to be going to Glasgow, Scotland, where the U.S. will be working to restore climate leadership after four years of bowing out and saying it's all junk. Passing the sweeping Democratic spending bill will give the U.S. more credibility and leverage. So what will he do to pass it? What will he sacrifice to get it done? Will he somehow leverage and twist the arm to get rid of the filibuster, even though reconciliation should be enough? I am not sure what he's going to do, but Kirsten Cinema being protested while she runs a marathon, while she walks out of the airport, while she gets on an airplane, while she goes to the bathroom, is not going to do it looking by her profile. Meanwhile, listen to what they want to do. President Obama committed the U.S. to reducing emissions from 26 to 28 percent, 26 to 28 percent by 2025. Compared to 2005 levels, uh, President Biden is... Uh, uh, in April, said he hoped to get the U.S. would cut its emission by 50 to 52 percent of the 2005 levels by 2030. As of 2019, emissions were down 12 percent and then dropped to almost 10 percent in a single year during the COVID pandemic. We all know that. However, the International Energy Agency has warned of a spike in global emissions because we're going back to work. The plug-ins aren't ready. The solar panels aren't efficient. The uh, electric cars aren't going to cut it now. We don't have the uh, infrastructure. This is not ready, but it's not stopping all the bans and all the protests, and we can't get a sober mind amongst any of them. I find this uh, somewhat maddening. So on what's happening with our supply chain, Michael Rubin was on with uh, Laura last night. He is the president of Florida Ports Council. As Molly Hemingway was telling us, this stuff was not unpredictable because we had stopped all the shipping and then the shipping was going to come up and cause a glut anyway, let alone you factor in no drivers, no uh, dock workers. Cut to. And we've made it difficult on the trucking industry to, uh, you know, not only hire those individuals, but there, there's a lot of a lot of penalties for, you know, time, uh, what you're moving the stuff. Now is the time to look at those limitations on how those truck drivers operate. Regulations, correct? Got to look at those regulations. If you're looking at anything, you need to ease the regulations on, on several areas and starting with truck in the industry, removing those disincentives to move that product. Yeah, uh, there's no trying. I mean, no one's trying. No one's trying to fix the border. No one's trying to get these ships unloaded. Where is the effort to try and, you know, people say, well, get your Christmas shopping done early. No, no, get the ships to port early. Can we try to get this done? I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the CEO, uh, former CEO of Home Depot and Chrysler wrote me this morning and said, why are we not using the military National Guard? They got so many truck drivers. They got so many trucks. They got so many workers. We'll pay them to do it if you're not going to get people to work it. 
So at least now, empty these ships, get them back aboard, get them back loaded again, and start moving everything through. Why are we not even trying? Why aren't people pushing to get this done? Where's the innovation anywhere? Where's that CEO attitude? Somebody in charge instead of trying to put out fires. It's nuts to me. Here's Matt Schlapp about overall what he's seen so far. Cut six. These are unforced errors. And, you know, the the border was secured by Donald Trump, and they don't have to like Donald Trump. But, boy, that's sure better for a president. Even Obama realized the negative consequences when you have uncontrolled illegal immigration at the border. If you look at Afghanistan, another unforced error. And now they haven't even done budget and taxes yet, which is going to really cripple an economy that I think is very fragile. Yeah. uh, When they do that, they have to do a couple of things. They in their agenda, they have to fund the government. They have to find a, a reason to get the debt ceiling raised, do it themselves. Now it looks like, especially after Chuck Schumer's attitude when Mitch McConnell gave him a lifeline. Then they want to get the $1.2 trillion through, and then they got to get the $3.5 trillion through. And judging by reports this morning and talking to Congressman Jayapal, who was uh, speaking out on Sunday and Monday, she says there's no reason to back off the $3.5 trillion. Really? My head's ready to explode. Joe Manchin put in writing he's not going over one5 you're going to stay at 3.5. He's not going to go along. Are you, what are you going to find pictures of him? Or are you going to do something uh, unsavory? Because right now he's on the record telling anyone with a microphone he's not budging. And if he does budge, it'll be 1.7, maybe the tops two, which is two trillion too much. But to say you're not backing off 3.5 is a joke. Watch for the sleight of hand. We got a bunch of programs, got to cost $2 trillion. All the programs are still there. They're just underfunded. So their hope is that they'd be so popular that even if Republicans took over to make a pronouncement that we're not funding the expansion of Medicare, the elder care, preschool, uh, school lunches, will look politically impossible to do. So the other thing that I find absolutely outrageous is the mass mandates. Uh, the mandates on vaccines, especially when you don't take a natural immunity, especially when you consider that 74 percent of the country already got their single shot. So that's when you with that's with eligible uh, people. Now, the next big battle between five and 11 year olds, you watch, they're going to start putting pressure on parents to do it. And if not, they're going to say, send your kid home. I see this. Dr. Scott Gottlieb said, no, I don't see that. Yeah. You were told by the president, we were all told by the president, we're not going to mandate vaccinations. That's not what we do. That's what he does every day uh, in almost every industry. Gradually. Alex Berenson on Tucker last night, Cut 19. There's scientific data that shows that the mRNA vaccine that Pfizer and BioNTech make works as advertised. It causes your body to make a lot of spike proteins. Your body then makes antibodies to those spike proteins. What Pfizer and BioNTech have not demonstrated is that that's any good for children 5 to 11. Um, We know that these vaccines cause side effects. Uh, We know that those side effects can be severe. And we know that, in, especially in younger men, there are lo- there's a lot of myocarditis and pericarditis. There's a lot of heart inflammation that can follow these vaccinations. We, we, we have no evidence that suggests that the benefit of vaccinating 5 to 11-year-olds outweighs the risks clinically. So then you, I'm telling you, we're going to be on this show. You're going to be listening to my show, driving where you're driving. And you're going to be, you are going to be talking about what do you do with your 7-year-old? Do you keep him or her home uh, because of the vaccination and you're unsure, might be a Democrat or Republican, it won't matter at all? 
But I know the polls that they let us see publicly show that over 50 percent of the country is for these mandates because they want everybody vaccinated. But they don't want to let you know that you can easily get this from someone vaccinated or unvaccinated. They don't want to let you know that natural immunity is more effective in many cases than all these mRNA or Johnson and Johnson shots. So when you don't take that into account, people shut you off. And that's what's key. And also, the great uniter is dividing us. And if you see what happens, too, listen to these pilots speaking out about why they're not getting the shot. And they don't – I'm talking about commercial airline pilots. I'm not even telling you the airlines. Just listen to them. They're all pilots. Cut 11. Many of us don't want to take this. Uh, People were being coerced. I believe in freedom. And I'm here to support the freedom of my fellow employees and all people across this country. If these companies fire us and they fire 30 percent of the workforce – Aircraft are going to stop moving, and it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your air travel, and it's going to affect the economy. A specific airline in this country uh, went ahead and, and from their own uh, volition, went and said, we're going to do mandates for all of our employees. And they took that list and said, well, now all of you effective October 1st are on the street uh, on un, unpaid indefinite leave. That's not what... Uh, that's not uh, an accommodation that any of us can put up with. That's, that's, in other words, unemployment. Okay. Do they seem like knucklehead Trump supporters as President Biden likes to portray them and all these other clowns that work in their administration just like to put down people that vote for Donald Trump? No, those are pilots. A lot of them serve in the military already and decide to be commercial pilots after. That's why we're in such good hands. If they stay together... There is no way these mandates can't get lifted. I hope they stay together. When we come back, we talk about John Gruden. We talk about what's going on in basketball because it's now become news. We'll do it on Barney and Company, and I'll close the hour with your calls. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Now, the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney, live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll be on FBN shortly with Stuart Varney, the number one show uh, on that channel and all of uh, business news. So I look forward to that. And then I'll close this hour with your calls. I see up there uh, WABC and I see up there Fox News Talks uh, in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, over in Orlando, Florida, over in Baton Rouge. So we'll get to them shortly. So let's go over with Stuart Varney now. Eastern time, and that means it's time to bring in Brian Kilmeade. First off, Brian, John Gruden. Stepped down, head coach of the Vegas Raiders. Emails from 10 years ago resurfaced using, he was using racist, homophobic, misogynistic comments. What do you make of all of this? I, I hear it's, this is a bombshell in football. No question. I mean, he has a 10-year contract worth $100 million minimum. He's four years in, started turning around the Raiders. He brought Tampa Bay to a Super Bowl right after, uh, you know, uh, right away. And then he was at the Raiders and turned them around before he went over to Tampa Bay. Then he was the best broadcaster at ESPN, certainly the most interesting color commentator since John Madden. Then he goes back to the league and started to turn that team around uh, and change the culture as they change venues. Not easy to be in Oakland for two years and then switch to Las Vegas, have no fans, and now they finally have fans back. 
but the emails are from 10 years ago. It's all part of an investigation into the Washington Football Club, the former Redskins, as they try to find out why that culture is so bad with that organization. In doing that investigation, they go into Bruce Allen's email, who's the general manager at the time, uh, son of the legendary football coach George Allen, and he has interactions with John Gruden, then a broadcaster, at which time John Gruden wrote hideous and excusable things to talk about uh, Roger Goodell, negative things about Michael Sam, the first openly gay player to be drafted, talk about uh, the players kneeling, and then he talked about uh, the uh, the, uh, the head of the Players Association, and he's an African-American, and the way he looks. All this stuff is inexcusable. The first set of emails, he probably would have survived. The second set, he didn't. By last night, Monday Night Football, he was gone. Uh, to me, a couple of things. The content of the emails are terrible, but they were never meant to be public. The problem for John Gruden was they were public, and he has no legal case, is because Bruce Allen wrote from a— a, a Redskin account, Washington Football Club account. That allows them to be public. Anybody that wrote to them is now subject. He was never the subject of an investigation. He's incidental. Does he deserve, in your opinion, to be canceled from football from here on out? I don't know. I've ne- this is unplowed ground for me. Uh, if you look at what he said, it's inexcusable. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, too... Anybody who wrote things that they didn't want public, what if everything you ever wrote was public? Anyone watching us right now, are you okay with that? And if the answer is yes, okay. And if the answer is no, then you understand where John Gruden's coming from. At the same time, you can't make excuses for what he wrote. I will say this. Outside Keyshawn Johnson, who's out, the former wide receiver that he, they won a Super Bowl with, who they never liked each other. Most people really like this guy. I've met him a few times. He's unbelievably likable. I mean, on the camera, loved him. Uh, His comments were fantastic and insightful, especially compared to most who know the business. And and as a coach, uh, most people love playing for him. It's not like it's a guy that finally got his comeuppance. This is not a guy that had a reputation, and this is finally out in the public. This is not the person who had that reputation in football. The coach of the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich, criticized a Texas school district for observing Columbus Day. Here's the quote. He, as I guess Columbus, initiated a new world genocide. It's not a knock on Italian-Americans. That's a silly argument. It's like saying we should be proud of Hitler because we're German. It makes no sense. It's about Columbus. It's not about Italian-Americans. What's your reaction to that, Brian? A couple of things. Uh... You know, every time Popovich speaks, it's something negative about our country. He's an extremely liberal coach, uh, and he's not a successful coach. Doesn't seem like the most likable guy to the media, but every, every comment he makes is it seems to be anti-American. When he comes to Columbus, obviously a controversial character, but as Gary Kasparov wrote in yesterday's Wall Street Journal, he changed the world. He literally spread Christianity throughout another hemisphere. He allowed culture to totally change. The impact is is unquantifiable. As people have said about Columbus, what he did was like us going to the moon in the 1960s, only more dangerous because it was counterintuitive to almost every explorer in the world. And his, his four voyages were not without controversy. But because he's from Europe and because they had diseases without immunity to this land, no one intentionally spread whatever those European diseases were. But he took slaves, absolutely. But as you look at the culture of the time in Europe, in 1492, slavery was everywhere. Either you had power or you didn't. He did not invent it. It was the culture he was brought up with in the area we now know as Italy. 
the culture wars are still going strong, and that's a fact. Brian Kilmeade, thank you, sir. We'll see you again soon. All right, Got thanks it. so much, Stuart. one 408 7669 Brian, listening in New York City. Hey, Brian. On WABC. Brian, what's on your mind? Brian, how you doing? This is Brian. Uh, real quick, the mass mandates, which I can't stand. I hate all about it. Uh, the vaccination mandates, I hate everything about it. But the lowest minority, the lowest uh, vaccinated group are the minorities. If they're so determined to bring those numbers up, anyone that gets government-funded stuff, whether it's housing, food stamps, or whatever it is, they should be mandated. Great point. You have no problem mandating the workplace, the military, in some police academies, in police forces. If you say if you want, if you want to be able to get these, these programs... You have to show a proof of vaccination, which is for free. Why not? And and it is. The Hispanic and African-American community are the communities that are, are the most reluctant to get vaccinated. We never hear talk about that. And I think it has a lot to do with who votes for them. The same reason you don't call out teachers unions if you're Joe Biden, because teachers unions help put you in office, even though you sacrifice children to do it. Great point, Brian. Uh, Phil, listen, I knew... 97.1. Real quick, Phil. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I just saw this weekend. I don't know if he said it this weekend or if it was prior, but I just saw a clip of it this week on one of the channels. Fauci coming out and talking to the camera, to the American people, saying, you're a part of society. If you want to continue to be a part of society, there's certain things you consider rights. That I know. He's the worst. Thanks, Phil. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach, it's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Uh, we have Candace Owens standing by, so we won't leave her on hold. And Ian Pryor, Ian Pryor, uh, you know him. Not only does he have an important job with the government, but he's also fighting with critical race theory in Loudoun County, Virginia, where, by the way, we were told by Terry McAuliffe, there is no critical race theory. So uh, with that, he also is a former deputy public affairs director in Department of, at the Department of Justice. And you've seen him on the channel a lot. And now he has organized these parents and they are taking action. Who knows? They might even be targeted by the FBI soon, thanks to Merrick Garland's uh, attorney general's office. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. The drug cartels operating out here are starting to get a lot bolder in their actions. We were embedded with the Texas National Guard when a cartel machine gun fired across the border directly into the United States. With that is Bill Malusian, reporting exclusively for Fox News. The border overrun with illegals and now with criminals as cartels start talk taking aim at the Texas National Guard and paid for by our billion-dollar border wall, which is sitting on the ground in the desert gathering dust because Joe Biden wants to play politics. 
Number two. These requirements work, and as the Business Roundtable and others told me when I announced the first requirement, that encouraged businesses to feel they could come in and demand the same thing of their employees. More people are getting vaccinated. More lives are being saved. When you see headlines and reports of mass firings and hundreds of people losing their jobs, look at the bigger story. Yeah, mandate mania affecting military, uh, affecting the military, medical positions, law enforcement, and now the friendly skies. Southwest is spiraling out of control, and some say it's because of these mandates. Are they just the first? The worst is the worst yet to come. Number one. We're in a recovery. There's no doubt about that. And job growth is to be expected. And when it comes in low, people notice. And that, what, I think that's part of what we're seeing in these polling numbers. Uh, that is Brit Hume, of course. Biden's self-inflicted wounds are affecting all of us. From the supply chains to the energy prices, his green agenda to inflation, he's taking aim at the American people, and it's time for him to pay the price beyond the poll ratings. Uh, you got to wonder when the bleeding will stop. Candace Owens joins us now. You know Candace, New York Times bestselling author and founder of the Blexit Foundation. Candace, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Candace, first off, if you, if I told you nine months ago this is what the Biden administration will look like, would you have been surprised? Not at all. Not at all surprised. If anybody was paying attention to what was going on and what the Democrats had been fighting for, uh, especially you know under the Trump administration, everything that they were trying to undo, it was very obvious this is going to be the natural conclusion. Or I should even call it a conclusion. I should call it the, the beginning because it's going to get a lot worse. When you talk about these mandates— uh, the president of the United States says they got to be got to look at the bigger picture when it comes to these mandates. Uh, I want you to hear what uh, these pilots are saying now about these mandates and how it's going to affect our travel. Cut 11. Many of us don't want to take this. Uh, people were being coerced. I believe in freedom and I'm here to support the freedom of my fellow employees and all people across this country. If these companies fire us and they fire 30 percent of the workforce, aircraft are going to stop moving. And it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your air travel, and it's going to affect the economy. A specific airline in this country uh, went ahead and, and from their own uh, volition, went and said, we're going to do mandates for all of our employees. And they took that list and said, well, now all of you effective October 1st are on the street uh, on un, unpaid indefinite leave. That's not what... Uh, that's not uh, an accommodation that any of us can put up with. That's, that's in other words, unemployment. Candace, has he thought this through? Is he really going to go about uh, having a military with tens of thousands, maybe 100,000, deciding not to take the vaccine so they're going to quit? Is he prepared to let our airline industry just stop? No, absolutely not. I don't think he thought it through. I think that he thought that with enough pressure and with people fearful to lose their jobs, they would just comply. And I think that there now there's a pending disaster. I mean, there, you've got you know nurses also hasn't been mentioned. You know, thousands and thousands of nurses across the country are losing their jobs. You're talking talking about New York City bringing in the National Guard, you know, to to help accommodate and, and to step in. I don't know about people around the world, but I don't want the National Guard. If I'm a mother about to give birth, I don't want the National Guard there, um, you know, to do to assist me. So it's, it's, it's complete and utter collapse, and it's obviously very good for conservatives. And I think this is a little bit of temporary pain that we're all going to feel, obviously. You know, we're going to have the supply chains shut down, and we're going to be dealing with a lot of, you know, issues of just short supplies across the country. But for me, not being able to travel um, as conveniently is definitely worth it to stand up to what's really become a totalitarian regime and so much federal overreach. 
And so I think, again, like I said, a little bit of pain, but overall, the big picture, it's going to be good for conservatives because these moderate Democrats need to see firsthand what we were talking about when we started talking about the radical overreach that the left was after. Why was the president ever call out uh, the African-American community or the Hispanic community? They are getting vaccinated at the lowest rate of all the ethnic groups. Why wouldn't he call them out? Uh, you know, because he's trying to to make it seem as though this is a conservative or a Trump supporter issue when it's not. You are correct. Black Americans are the least vaccinated in the country. And there's good reason for that. You know, people look at the history yeah. of how um, dishonest the FDA and the CDC have been. And we're not talking about you don't have to go back to the, to, to the times of slavery. You know, we're talking about the 1970s uh, when the CDC should have, in my opinion, in my estimation, been disbanded after they were caught allowing black Americans to die, pretending that they were treating them, uh, the Tuskegee experiment, pretending that you were treating black Americans for syphilis, when in fact, you, or for various blood disorders, bad blood disorders, when in fact, they were actually watching them die. And it took a whistleblower to get them to finally stop the experiment. Entire generations of people that suffered with syphilis, um, and, and all they got was a very small payout, something like $10,000 from the government. Oops, sorry, we got caught doing the wrong thing. And, and no one should trust you know, big pharma, Pfizer, of course, notoriously uh, the biggest settlement of all time, criminal settlement of all time in terms of big pharma. You're telling us to just blindly trust the exact same individuals a couple of decades later with very little data to look at. There's no long term studies into into these vaccines. And, and people have a lot of questions surrounding the efficiency when you know that you can get this vaccine. Right. And despite having the vaccine, you can still catch covid and spread covid, which means they completely transformed definition of what it used to mean to be a vaccine. And I'm not suggesting that, by the way. Uh, Congressman Thomas Massey pointed out on Twitter that they legally changed the definition of vaccine online. They legally changed it uh, to accommodate this particular vaccine. It used to mean, you know, they're injecting you with dead organisms and it meant that you could not get the virus. Now it means, okay, well, we're just helping to treat it, which a lot of things help treat viruses. Tylenol can help treat symptoms of a virus. Um, so there's just too much shady business, a lot of transparency, and in my estimation, way too much censorship. Where there is censorship in terms of speech, there is also dishonesty and there is also lies, and people are right to trust their gut. So uh, the one thing I've, I find pretty amazing, in the precipitous fall of Joe Biden's poll numbers, in the black community, he's lost 16 points. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Because of exactly this, you know, you can't say to people, you can't come door to door and say to people, you know, I'm the person who's going to champion this cause. This guy's a bad person. Trump's bad. Trump's racist. And then you get into office and look at what you do. You're basically saying to people, you're going to get vaccinated or you're going to lose their job. You know, you, you, you've got these, these numbers of people who can't even find uh, people to work at their jobs. Small businesses are being shuttered. And once again, you know, black Americans start at a basic distrust when it comes to the government. And all that Joe Biden's administration is trying to do is to say, hey, look, we're the federal government. We're here to help. And we're going to assume more power than you've ever seen in this country, ever, ever. The federal government has never attempted to take this much, this much power and control over right. individual lives ever in this country. Uh, so, you know, this is, represents obviously an existential threat for the Democrat Party. They were already not doing well this past election. Don't forget that despite all the rhetoric, uh, Trump gained, uh, what was it, eight points amongst black men and four points amongst black women. That's not good for the Democrat Party since they rely upon the black vote. Um, so this is, yeah. as I said, this is for me as a champion of Brexit, of trying to get black Americans and minorities to wake up. This is all good news. So you talk about anger. We had Colonel West on a couple hours ago. You know, we tested positive of COVID and he got, was hospitalized. He went in there to get the antibodies. He wanted to get the injections. His wife was vaccinated. He wasn't. 
and he's back. He talked to me. This, he talked today. He got out last night. He sounds fine. Listen to the reaction to Joy Reid when they found out he was positive. MSNBC anchor, Cut 35. One of the things Republicans are doing is they're trying to find as many black and brown and Asian American people who spout those same ideologies as possible in running them. Alan West is sort of the idea of that in Texas and just saying, we'll just dress this up uh, in sort of a black person and then say, see, we're not we're not racist. Look at us. We got Alan West. But Alan West is the guy who says segregation was a better time for black people. Right. So it's like ironic black people. Uh, but it, but that is their strategy. And I wonder if in a party that is sort of showing itself to be terrified of learning about Dr. King because it might make white um, white students feel uncomfortable to talk about racism, whether or not at, he might actually be a threat to Abbott. That maybe, you know, far-right Democrats are saying, you know what, I prefer my racist ideas in the form of an Alan West. Do you think that they're, they're adequately talking about the Alan West who you know? Absolutely not. But, they, you know, this is actually, this rhetoric is not helping them anymore. People are getting a little bit tired of this. As you see more and more black Americans turning towards the Republican Party over these last few years, um, it should teach Joy Reid and MSNBC and all these networks that this rhetoric isn't working anymore. You're going to have to come up with something other than Uncle Tom or, you know, a coon to define a black person. Um, so it's not working at all um, in any way whatsoever. And again, more good news for us. You know, Alan West is an incredible person. He's been a great leader. And that's the other element of this, by the way, if we're talking about COVID, is that there seems to be this understanding uh, that they want people to suffer. They want people to die. They're upset when people get better, right, in, in the hospital or not dying from COVID. They want this pandemic to go on forever. Yeah, in fact, here's what I, uh, what I said to Alan West. Do you really think they, they want you to die? Well, there have been some comments out there, but I, I don't think that they want me well. I, I think that that's one of the things that you got from the comments of this guy is that uh, they would prefer uh, what I went through not to be a viable uh, alternative and, and to show that it was a, a good treatment because that really does combat what they're trying to push against the American people. And he was talking about saying head taking the the antibodies instead of taking the uh, the vaccine uh, and some of the right. anger. They don't, right? And they don't want they don't want treatment. They don't want remedy. They want people to get the vaccine and nothing else. And there's a lot of fraud. I think we have never seen this level of big pharma fraud ever. There there should be people in prison for what they're doing. Right? The Biden administration is blocking treatments that work. You know, quick example. I went to the dermatologist this morning, and she confided to me that she has been subscribing. Uh, prescribing ivermectin for the last 20 years. No problem whatsoever to treat basic things like dermatitis on the skin. Suddenly now she has to to, to apply to be able to prescribe to people ivermectin and, and that people, they're saying, well, you've got to apply and they're going to register you if you're prescribing this at all. She said, this is harmless. She goes, even if they didn't need ivermectin, this is not something that's going to kill them. We're not in a short supply of it. So why is the Biden administration blocking this treatment? Oh, because people like Joe Rogan are saying it helped them get better. I know very few people that said that it helped them get better. Same for hydroxychloroquine. There are old studies, old medicinal studies, if you look at like these, um, you know, these old studies that went out way before this pandemic came that showed that it was uh, effective, hydroxychloroquine, in treating coronavirus. Now, I'm not talking about COVID-19, but other types of coronavirus. Now, all of a sudden, they're blocking it. You have governors that are blocking this treatment from being prescribed, like they did down in Nevada. I mean, we're talking about criminal negligence here. They want people to die because they want people to be mm. traumatized and only choose the vaccine, even though there are plenty of other remedies that have been shown to be effective. This is criminal. Candace, when I you know talk to Colonel West, you cannot rattle him by talks of race or Uncle Tom or any of these labels. He almost he shrugs it off. He almost embraces it. You seem to be the same way, 
Has this ever gotten to you, some of the critics within uh, in the black community who think Candace Owens shouldn't be saying the things she's saying? I mean, not even for a moment. I have not lost a wink of sleep. I often say to my husband, if people knew how little I cared about the names they called me, I wonder if they'd bother, you know, wasting their time writing the articles. You know, I'm on the side of truth. I, I could care less about what people that are on the side of lies and dishonesty could possibly be saying. And, you know, I'm more inspired every every single day because I think more and more Americans are becoming awake uh, to the dishonesty and the lies. And I think that that's best evidenced by the extremes that the left is going through to stop speech, right? They wouldn't need this much censorship. They didn't need this much censorship when Obama was in office. They didn't need to shut down speech. They didn't need fact checkers because the majority of Americans were deluded. Now the majority of Americans are awake. So they need to be, they need to be fighting for mail-in ballots into, per, into perpetuity. They need to be fighting for more big tech right. censorship. We've got this fake whistleblower, and that's because they're now losing. And, and so I, I think that we're on the side of the angels. They're on the side of the demons. And in the end, truth prevails. One last thing, uh, Herschel Walker, for example, I'm talking to him and he's talking about running, what he's going to do. And I get the sense that everyone running in Georgia specifically is looking to maximize Republican hotspots instead of going into the cities and trying to sell. Even if you get small crowds or no crowds, don't you believe the Republican Party is just not making the effort they should? 100% I agree with you. I talk about this all the time. And this is, it's actually one of the things that came up. We just had, you know, for my foundation, Blexit, we just had a team leader meeting. And they were talking about how 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 upsetting it is that the, the RNC and Republican Party hasn't reached out to various organizations that are doing this groundwork. I mean, we've got people in 50 states that are willing to live in the inner cities, right, that are chapter leaders of Blexit that would be, be happy, you know, to work alongside them and get people, you know, registered to vote, whatever the effort is. I'm seeing more effort by, by independents, you know, that people, people like Scott Pressler, you know, who are hitting the ground and saying, hey, let's do this work and get into the inner cities that I am seeing from the establishment, which, by the way, I think is, is a big reason why Trump won in 2016, right? People are feeling disillusioned from both the left and the right. Uh, it, it does feel like it's just an establishment, a bunch of papers being pushed around, a bunch of money being raised, but very little effort being done. So I agree with you completely. Um, and, you know, so all we can do is what can we do individually? I've launched a blessed effort. Um, and so I'm relying on, on people to people, not these establishments to make much of a difference going into the next I year. I can't tell you how many times I'm around and when people say, I think Candace Owens should run for president. Maybe that'll be in your future. Um, have, Maybe. have you thought about running? Uh, people have thought about it for me. <laughs> so I get the question all the time. And, you know, I say about everything, never say never. If you had asked me 10 years ago if I was going to be a Republican, I would have laughed in your face, right? I, I was totally under the Democrat spell and believed all the lies that I had been told. Um, so, you know, uh, never say never. You never know where life's going to take you. Uh, at Real Candace uh, is a way to follow her. Uh, Candace Owens, thanks so much. Founder of Flexit. Appreciate it, Candace. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Talk to you again soon. When we come back, your calls. Brian Kilmeade Show. Then Ian Pryor at the bottom of the hour. Don't move. Break from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. King News. Unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Talking about the vaccine mandate, oh yeah, I mean, there are some that uh, have very strong views on both sides of that issue. 
And as I think you probably know, I've never been uh, in favor of corporations imposing that kind of a mandate. I'm not in favor of that, never have been. But the executive order from President Biden mandates that all federal employees and then all federal contractors, which covers all the major airlines, have to have a mandate, in a vaccine in place by December the 8th. So we're working through that. Uh, we're urging all of our employees to get vaccinated. If they can't, we're urging them to seek an accommodation either for medical or religious reasons. And uh, my goal, obviously, is that no one loses their job. Yeah, but it's not going to happen because a lot of them you just heard, and I played it earlier with uh, with Candace Owens, you heard that a lot of them don't want to get it. A lot of them had it already. They don't count natural immunity. Uh, most Americans do, even if the government doesn't. And now the CEO is being, being forced to do these mandates, or they're choosing to. So this is where the rubber hits the road. Right during the holiday season, let's put a mandate in so pilots and, and flight attendants and desk workers and, uh, and uh, travel agents all have to go into these auspices. Great job. Appreciate it. Really created an adversarial relationship that the big uh, uniter, uh, President Biden, has uh, cast upon us, fostered on us. Ian Pryor next. Quick announcement. The President Freedom Fighter is coming out uh, November 2nd. I want you to meet me in West Virginia November 7th. We'll be at the uh, Charleston Coliseum and Convention Center. Also be in Ponte Vedra, Orlando, Florida, November 21st, and Clearwater, Florida, December 4th. BrianKilme.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We don't teach critical race theory. This is a made-up, this is a Trump, Betsy DeVos, uh, Glenn Youngkin plan to divide people. And, and, and it really bothers me. I try to unite people. I want to give every child, regardless of whom you love, the color of your skin, or whom you pray to, a world-class education. I did this before. But that's why parents overwhelmingly support me. I'm going to build the greatest education system. But electing Glenn Youngkin, dividing children, dog whistles, creating racist, I mean, it's horrible what's being done. And that is Terry McCall, who wants to be the next governor of Virginia. Again, uh, saying no critical race theory. He also doesn't think parents should have a role in their kids' education. Ian Pryor feels differently. Former deputy public affairs director. You see him all over the channel, Department of Justice. Uh, in the Trump administration, executive director now of fightforschools.com. Ian, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Brian. Hey, does Terry McCall have it right? <laughs> he absolutely does not have it right. And as I said yesterday, I'd be happy to meet with Terry for about 15 minutes. We could grab a coffee. I could actually show him the receipt, certainly in Loudoun County Public School, where they paid for critical race theory training of teachers, and also an email from the former superintendent that said, Yes, we use critical race theory concepts in our teacher training and our social justice instruction with students. So we, we literally have the receipts. If Terry McAuliffe wanted to appeal to parents, he would stop calling them conspiracy theorists, and he would actually listen to what they're, what they're finding and what they're seeing. Do you think he's being surprised by this? Do you think he wanted to marginalize this and just say this some right-wing conspiracy? Oh, I think that's absolutely what they've been trying to do. I mean, we've been at this really since March uh, out in Loudoun County, and it's really spread all across Virginia. And, you know, I don't think they took it seriously. They, they dug in their heels. Um, they decided to fight fire with fire. But, you know, the problem is when you're dealing with parents, they, that's a burning fire to protect your kids that is never going to go out. It's going to far outlast 
any politician's career or time in office. And, you know, certainly in Virginia, we've seen it over and over again. You know, parents rising to the occasion, investigating, finding evidence of things like critical race theory, you know, harmful policies that result in, you know, things that, that really are detrimental to students all across the Commonwealth. I want you to hear, uh, here's another parent, Amy Jarr at the Loudoun County, uh, Virginia, uh, uh, talking about the parents being labeled uh, domestic terrorists and the possibility of the FBI investigating. That letter from the NSBA to the president to uh, declare us terrorists, um, domestic terrorists, uh, on, on par with al-Qaeda, uh, was really, I think, their effort um, in their fear for being exposed. Listen, it's the parents that know what's going on here. It's the parents. We're doing everything we can to get it out there by being on the media, by uh, trying to recall our school boards. We're doing, we have to keep the pressure on because they want to silence us, and it, we, we can't let them win at that. And Ian, if they start knocking on the average working-class family's door, say, I'm the FBI, I'm here to investigate you, that will freeze a lot of other people from coming forward, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I think what the attorney general did was was unconstitutional. But I think this whole thing is premeditated. Look, I worked at the Justice Department. I was involved with several attorney general memos that came out on policy. You know, it takes a lot longer than two business days to put those things out. And what happened was the National School Board Association sent that letter asking the Department of Justice to look into this under domestic terrorism. They sent it on September 30th. On October 4th, the DOJ puts this memo out. Now, that was a, October 30th was a Thursday. So you're telling me that the Department of Justice worked with all its subcomponents, other departments, other agencies, White House Counsel's Office to get this memo cleared by Tuesday? Absolutely not. I believe that the Department of Justice, the Biden administration, was working with the NSBA to have them send this. They knew it was coming. They were ready to go with this memo. And what you're now seeing in states, you've seen it in Louisiana, you've seen it in Pennsylvania, you've seen it in Virginia. The state school board associations are denouncing this letter. They want no part of it because they realize just how badly the Biden administration overreached here. Uh, I think it seems so, but they might be icing, keeping people just by the threat of it. But I mean, this being a story might keep people at home saying, you know what? I don't want to embarrass my son or daughter. If I come forward, I can't afford to retain an attorney. If they say that I got too loud or a board member claimed to be physically threatened, uh, do you worry about that? Yeah, I mean, certainly it it could have a chilling effect. And and that's why I say it's unconstitutional. I mean, obviously nobody condones you know, credible threats to school board members or public officials. But when we're talking about things like harassment or intimidation, what does that mean? Is it harassment to have a, a pep rally outside of a school board meeting? Is it intimidation to raise your voice at a school board meeting? Those things are First Amendment rights. And, you know, you have a lot of parents out there that it's tough to go to school board meetings, right? It's tough to go out there and, and speak publicly. Not everybody is a public speaker. And so when you put up this other roadblock, you know, parents are going to have concerns. Now, there's certainly parents out there that are going to say, you know what, not going to stop me. And I will tell you, you know, there are plenty of, of you know, uh, legal institutions out there that are looking at this that if the FBI does come knocking, well, they should reach out to me because I could put them in touch with people that will make sure that they can go after the Department of Justice for this. Yeah, so it's not just obviously in Virginia. You mentioned Pennsylvania. And also in Texas is a pushback, and that is uh, having people on other channels mocking you. 
the associate professor in the School of Global Journalism at Morgan State University. His name is Jason Johnson. Said this on MSNBC, Cut 36. Alan West, he no, is the I'm zeitgeist sorry, of the Republican Party right now. Speaking of educational opportunities, one of the other crimes that we've seen lately in the state of Texas uh, is this new book banning that they've got, mm. where they're chasing after books and they don't want kids to learn about critical race theory. That's why I have Get Jerry Kraft right behind me. He writes great books for kids, <laughs> and these are the kinds of things they don't want. So maybe we should characterize that. There's other books that you do think are, are negative. Well, certainly. I mean, I think it's it's interesting that they're talking about um, book banning when a lot of this all started with Dr. Seuss being, you know, taken out of libraries because of, you know, um, 70 year old um, uh, stereotypes that were in there or to kill a mockingbird being removed from curriculum because it glorifies white saviorism. Look, when we're talking about books, we're talking about pornographic books that are in school libraries, middle school libraries. We're talking about kids reading books like Ibram Kendi at, you know, in sixth grade. No one's asking to have books be banned, but you need to look at the appropriate age level for kids and make sure that the right books and the right curriculum are being used. And to say otherwise is just completely inappropriate and, and misreads the entire situation and is really gaslighting the American public as to what's going on. Ian Pryor with us. He's the executive director of uh, FightForSchools.com. Now, Ian, a lot of people listening saying, well, they just want to whitewash America's past when there was a slavery and there was civil war and there was segregation and the failure of Reconstruction and the 1960 uh, civil rights riots led by Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and things to that nature. Are you looking to do all those things? Absolutely not. Look, those things are completely important parts of our history. Those are things that I learned when I was in elementary school, when I was in middle school, when I was high school, and again, when I was a history major in college. Those are definitely things that are part of the fabric of our history. But what we're seeing here is that we are looking at those incidents no longer as people rising to the occasion, people being mentally tough and fighting through discrimination and and achieving a better life and a better society. No, now we are looking at that to say, Look, these things have caused systemic racism in every aspect of our life. And what it does is it creates a, a victim mentality in minorities. It creates um, you know, a, a guilt mentality in, in white children. It creates a confused mentality in mixed race children and families. And for the Asian population, they're completely left out of this. And they're driving, certainly in Virginia, a lot of the diversity that's coming in, and they are being completely marginalized. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you look at some of the admission programs, uh, you know, where you see Asian population really, you know, in these high-performing schools, they represent a high portion of the population. And what they're doing is they're changing merit standards, they're changing admission standards, because they're saying, well, you know, the Asian population is too high, so we need to lower it. No, that is absolutely wrong. If you are out there and you're studying and you're working hard and you're performing your best, then you should get to go to the best schools. Ian, have you seen progress yet? Well, I think we're starting to see it in Virginia. Um, You know, parents have really united. And as I've said all along, it's about investigating, communicating, and activating. And I think we've really provided the model on how to do that. And we have been pushing back for six months. Uh, We have not slowed down. We have actually brought one of these school board members to court to try and remove her. We had a, a big win in court last week where they removed 
uh, disqualified the, the Commonwealth prosecutor who had a conflict of interest. And, you know, we're set to go to discovery and trial. So we're going to use, you know, everything at our disposal, everything legal, exercise our civil rights, exercise our First Amendment rights to keep the pressure on, to hold these schools accountable. And we're every day we're bringing more and more people to our cause. And that's Democrats, too. I can't tell you over the past several weeks how many Democrats have come up to some of our volunteers that are collecting petitions saying, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I really believe in what you're doing. And I don't like the way that this country is moving. So when people say this is an organized effort by Republicans to try to win an election, how organized are you? Is Ronna McDaniel calling you, funding you? No, absolutely not. And I, I, I find that so humorous. You know, we really just got together on somebody's back deck in March and decided that we were going to do this. Now, look, you know, if Republicans are successful, I think it's a byproduct of what we've been doing. But it's not our mission. Our mission is transparency and accountability in these schools. We want school boards and school officials to be accountable to the parents. And nobody's saying that, hey, you know, the te- we need to micromanage what teachers teach in class. No one is saying that. What we are saying is that parents need to have a bigger seat at the table where they can help guide the educational, um, uh, you know, the education of their children in schools and, and create a framework that will allow our children to succeed in the real world in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And maybe people should understand, Ian Pryor, how you got alerted to this. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, I, I was just minding my own business. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't seek out this fight. This fight came to me in March. Um, when I learned that there was a private Facebook group called the Anti-Racist Parents of Loudoun County. Uh, it was made up of about 600 people, including six of our school board members, our Commonwealth attorney. And what happened was one of the school board members basically set a, a Facebook mob to plot against parents to you know, infiltrate our groups, publicly expose us hack our websites. And, you know, one of it, it, they've done it, too. I can tell you that, you know, one of our our key members, our core team here, um, she's had two separate letters sent to her workplace, anonymous letters saying that she's a racist. She's an insurrectionist. She breaks the law. I mean, defamatory stuff. But, you know, ultimately, we don't know where it came from. But that's what they're trying to do. They're going after people that disagree with them. And you've got government officials, public officials that are basically egging them on to do it. Yeah, and you got started. You have, I would know how to organize. You're very articulate. You have this legal background, and you're able to put this uh, group together, and you found out this was happening all across the country. And I, I just almost laugh out loud when people talk about it on other channels, this organized effort by Republicans to try to reclaim the Tea Party movement that had so much success in the first Obama midterm election. Uh, if this does have success— it's only in reaction to what is happening, and we were witness to that because I was we were one of the first ones to talk to you. Uh, Ian, thanks so much. If people want to help out, where do they go? Uh, they can go to fightforschools.com. We've got all, all our news there, and you know certainly we, we are going to keep this fight up. So any, any help you can give us, whether it's donating or sending us tips, uh, we would appreciate it. Go get them. Ian Pryor, thanks so much. Thanks a lot, Brian. All right, and it's going to be very interesting what this Virginia race does because they are talking about uh, education, and there's a total contradictory view of it. Uh, you listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Back with your calls and more to know in just a moment. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
Hey, uh, quick announcement. I just got so many events we're just putting up now on BrianKillMe.com. I got the book, The President the Freedom Fighter, coming out. Uh, I got the book tour. I'm going to be in uh, Manhasset on, De- on December, excuse me, November 3rd at Publicans, one of the best restaurants in the country, Manhasset. So have a, a, a beer and we could sign your books. Staten Island, November 4th. So two New York appearances. Uh, it's my second favorite island. Um, sorry, Manhattan. Uh, that'll be November 4th at Barnes & Noble there. Uh, Charleston, West Virginia had a live show. So Charleston Coliseum Convention Center. Get tickets, BrianKillMe.com. And then in Alabama at Page uh, and Pallet. Uh, that'll be Friday, November 9th in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, November 11th. Did I okay all these? Um, you did, but I know when we get through them, you're going to be like, wait, I have no life. What's I going know. on? I uh, know. November 12th, I'll be in Albany, the book house of Stuyvesant Plaza. I've never been upstate New York, but we got some big fans up there. Uh, Elkhart, Indiana, a live event at the Learner Theater. Uh, we can get tickets for that. Just go to all of my websites, Vero Beach, November 16th. Um, I have that listed twice. We might want to adjust that. Or do I have two appearances in Vero Beach? You only have one. The one There's a little mix-up there with the live show okay. from Ponte Vedra. Good thing we're not live. Uh, the Village is November 20th, Orlando, Florida. I'll be on stage on the Plaza Live, so you got to get tickets for that. WDBO listeners, hope you can meet you there. Clearwater, Florida, December 4th at the Bill Heimer Capitol Theater. McLean, Virginia, December 5th. Uh, if I'm still alive, December 14th, the Newtown, Newtown Bookshop uh, in Pennsylvania and Asbury Park in May. But I will never survive till May. The President Freedom Fighter. If I don't get to see you in person, just know I think you'll really enjoy this book. It's a slice of American history. You don't see how Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln live uh, work together to make us a more perfect union. Uh, meanwhile, Bill is uh, – excuse me. Yeah, Bill, you're in uh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Bill. Yeah. What's on your mind? Yeah. Well, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, the construction uh, materials sitting at the border. Yep. Uh, my my understanding was back in February or March, all those contractors that were uh, putting those in, they got uh, paid their full contract price. So when hopefully the Republicans get back in, are they going to complete that or are they going to have to hire new contractors and spend more tax? I'd love to see now? what the, the verbiage of the contract says. Uh, it just kills me to see this footage, and we have it. Go to foxnews.com and you'll see it. It'll just drive you nuts. We paid for it already. We need it. The Border Patrol yearns for it. And the president knows we need it. He just thinks it'll look too good for Trump. Let's find out there's more to know. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call today to learn how you can protect your retirement and savings account. 833-600-GOLD. That's 833-600-GOLD. So Hillary Clinton says she'll never be out of politics. Uh, Clinton cited insurrection. The Capitol of John 6 is disinformation and Facebook. The State of Terror will be published by Simon & Schuster. She's got a new book coming out. She has to explain her role in the whole Russian hoax. And the fact is her campaign paid for the dossier. Her campaign supported uh, Mike Sussman. Now he's being investigated, including her cyber guy being investigated. She's going to have to duck soon. Next. Gavin Newsom signs a bill banning new gas-powered lawnmowers and leaf blowers. So if you are on chainsaws, if you are a landscaper, you're not living the life of luxury, now you got to buy new stuff. Incredibly obnoxious. Ben & Jerry's co-founder stumped on why ice cream brand singles out Israel. He continues to serve red states because he says doesn't like Israel taking Palestinian territory. Why in red states? Listen. We hugely support Israel's right to exist. Mm-hmm. But we are against a particular policy. You guys are big proponents of voting rights. Why do you still sell ice cream in Georgia? 
Texas abortion bans. Why are you still selling there? I don't know. These, these guys are such clowns. It's an impossible standard. It's anti-Semitic. It's anti-Israel. And please, don't eat ice cream, but if you have to, don't eat theirs. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.